Jake, let me tell you about SeatGeek. It's the best place if you're going to buy tickets over the internet. I uh, needed a ticket to a Seahawks game. Checked out SeatGeek. They set me up great. Yeah, I've used it a couple times this year already for TCU, of course, with the Mavs starting. I don't know if anybody who listens to the radio station uh, radio station that we work for is uh, familiar with this or not, but the Mavs are starting. The Mavs oh, are actually whoa. starting this week on Wednesday. Did they uh, draft anyone or did they just pass? In fact, they did draft someone. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. will uh, take off Wednesday night. They're home like four or five times in the next uh, in the next two weeks. So check out SeatGeek. They will give you a price score. Of course, green means good, red means go. If you're from like, I don't know, somewhere weird like Asia and they don't have colors for stop and go. Here we do things by that. And uh, so they'll give you a deal score. So you don't have to shop around. Uh, helps you get the most bang for your buck. And uh, TC, I need to be uh, called to action. Yeah, I would use the action I would do is to download the app and type in the promo code banter. That'll give you 20 bucks back right there at checkout. Uh, it also let them know that you heard about it from us. So use the promo code banter and use SeatGeek. Hot, hip, and lots of lift. The ticket covers the spread this season. On Cowboys Game Day, it's TC and Jake. Sports Radio 1310. Now with a live reaction to Gordon Hayward's injury, we go to Corby. I think that's what we're going to focus on, right? Just kind of where do the Celtics go from here? What's What is their insurance like on that contract? I can't. Am I supposed to be able to hear you? You can't hear me? I can uh, turn your thing up. Oh, yeah, that's why. Oh. Is that telling yeah, me it's loud too yeah, loud? Yeah, that's, there you go. That's good. Okay. We, we kind of have to engineer this as we as we talk. Gordon? Yeah, that, that was up there, dude. The, the Paul George one was always gnarly because it involved running into like a object yeah, as opposed yeah. to just the floor or your fall. Gordon Hayward... One for two, two points. This <laughs> Don't is read his line. NBA career has <laughs> ended. They were hoping for more, I think. I don't know. Do you think that the people of Boston would um, be cooler about Kyrie Irving breaking his leg five minutes <laughs> in or, or Gordon Hayward? Like, they'll probably have a statue of Gordon Hayward in 10 years. <laughs> right. Like, he'll, he'll be a local, he'll own like a burger place. It'll be called one for twos. <laughs> <laughs> if uh, if Paul George came back and he's fine, and in my opinion, Paul George has more of a athletics-based game than Gordon Hayward. Uh, if he's able to come back and play like that, then I think that he's probably fine, right? Shit, I don't know, man. That's just that's shocking. That's shocking. And Kevin Harlan, oh, he broke his leg. Like, how about a little professionalism? <laughs> Is that what he said? Yeah, like the yeah. second he, oh, he broke his leg. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, well. Well, right it, now, Cleveland's up 30 to 21. At least it wasn't Kyrie because Dan would have been, um, if I must say, insufferable. Yeah. That was, uh... If Kyrie Irving would have broken his leg five minutes in, it would have been... Uh, you 100% would have got, this is what you get from Dan regarding Kyrie. This is weird Kyrie Irving hatred. Uh, I mean, I don't think this is particularly like inside information, but he has friends that have been in and around the team for a long time. Yeah. And I don't think they regard Kyrie as all that. I don't think they regard him that highly. And I think part of that is probably because those dudes are either people who have covered the team or work for the team who are dealing with a guy who was 19 or 20 in the first overall pick. And 
it's cliche to say, but just imagine how fucking insufferable you would have been at 19 or 20 if you were... True. I, mean, I don't God. Know. But it doesn't really matter in your evaluation of his basketball skills. Yeah, but most of the stuff that Dan... Well, I guess some of it is about his basketball skills, but a lot of it is just about... Uh, I mean, he says he's a bad, unsuccessful player. <clears throat> right. Like, that's his main point, and that doesn't really have anything to do with whether or not you're an asshole. By the way... Brian Windhorst just said, LeBron James just went into Cavs' locker room where Gordon Hayward is receiving medical attention. Sounds like they made a trade. <laughs> <laughs> Got to fill this hole. Yeah. <laughs> Future firsts uh, and cash considerations. That's so... See, that's... that. So what we've covered here is both uh, why Dan irrationally hates Kyrie Irving and why Bob sort of irrationally, but has his reasons, much like I guess Dan does a little bit, on hating LeBron because he's already made a guy who snapped his leg in the first five minutes of his new team. He's already made this story about him. Yeah. He immediately made <laughs> Dirk 30K night about him. Like the lead on SportsCenter was not the highlight of Dirk scoring. It was like LeBron weighs in with a selfie video. My favorite moment in ticket history was Norm Hitchkiss doing an entire segment whenever it was uh, year two of the Heat uh, with LeBron, and I think that they were off to like a start where they were like only 10 games over 500 or something like that. They like, had a rough year, start to year two, yeah. Uh, it was not what people were anticipating, and his point was Dwayne Wade, a legend in that town. Obviously, if you're going to shake something up, has to include Wade. And then it's kind of a big man's <laughs> league. <laughs> you, you don't want to trade size, so Bosch stays. <laughs> no one is more obsessed with people's bad old sports points He's than you are. Just He's, that one. The Nate Robinson thing with Corby oh, has yeah, always yeah. been. You're, you did an entire segment. Corby that, did say that Nate Robinson was going to get the max. You and did. swore that Cliff Kingsbury would never coach a single down at Texas Tech. I also I said. I did? Yeah. Why I did said I say that? that? Uh, before he was, like a day before he was hired at Texas Tech. Because he was too young? Uh, I w I always assumed that you like knew someone at Tech who knew someone who. I don't said, even like, remember saying that. I've got I've got the audio somewhere. I'm sure you do. Does. Of course he does. It's right next to the uh, Nate Robinson cut. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you doing that segment when you filled in for the Musers once, and yeah. uh, we should bring that back because it's not as funny when it's on Twitter. But I definitely had a long argument with Sean Bass that included many different permutations of Dak Prescott will never start a game in the NFL. Oh, that's a uh, fun one. On Twitter, I had Kenny Hill will have a better A&M career than Johnny Football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we, it was one drive into the South Carolina game. And South Carolina, South Carolina was like ranked 19th. And I'm like, Tearing that's a good team. Cocks. They went like four and seven. That Yeah, that yeah. one hurts. We all have them. Yeah, we've all been there. That's way more sports than I anticipated us talking. No, let's uh, let's talk about the time that you had a co-host who got like uh, permanently banned from the station. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was ten years ago last week. That's the uh, justification for doing it now. Um, and you, certainly, what's up? I was gonna say you wanted us to go have dinner at uh, Blackfin that night, but they're closed down. I did, I did, but yeah, they, what do they? <laughs> what do they switch to now? Uh, it was something I, pretty generic. I think Mino looked it up, and it was, it was Chachkis. <laughs> yes, it was Pizza Shooters <laughs> <Yeah>. Emporium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Blackfin, uh, they had to pivot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I think we have a lot of questions about that night, but I would love to just start off with general things. I'd love to just examine the full scope of the Grego relationship. <laughs> do you uh, Do you remember, like, uh, do, was there anything that stood out? On all these, I'm just fishing for good Grego stories, because there's a lot of them. 
Yeah. Um, so do you, does anything stand out about like uh, the first time you met him or like the first time he was talking about having you join the show, anything like that? When did you start working there? Uh, I actually have never met the dude in my life. I started September 2008. Okay. So almost exactly a year after. So for me, it was uh, September 2003. Yeah. No, yes. Yeah, so I, I graduated in May. I started in September 2003. So okay. he was there for a few years. Yeah, and I went. To, I've left after a couple of years, but yeah. But you got a. You didn't really get an inside look at him. You were just there on a. Uh yeah, I was only there like two two and a half days a week, and a lot of times it was on a Friday, and there was a day, uh, boys and girls, when the, the ticket was on remote every Friday. It seemed like. Yeah. And you usually weren't. Right. At that, at time. that time. And yeah. it's weird because when I met you, you were pretty much the age I am now. You were probably like thirty three, thirty four. Yeah. Something like that, and you would stay back and out, but. The first time I ever met um, Reiner, obviously that story's been told, but within the first three times I ever met Grego, I had uh, started dating a girl, and he randomly, whenever I was talking to you guys about it, said something to the effect of, if you really like her and you never want her to leave you alone, you just need to lick her asshole. <laughs> it's the secret, man. And I was... I just oh, turned okay. 18, and I'd never, <laughs> I'd never had a conversation with him. He also called me Earl. <laughs> if you remember that yeah, I for like the first that. six times I met him Earl yeah I uh, I would just love to imagine like someone and I think like uh, the, this person probably exists and it might be Zeb who uh, just like follows Gregor around like listening to him say things like you know you just lick her asshole. She won't leave you alone. Just be like, oh, yes, yes. So, like <laughs> writing it down and like living life by these Grego maxims. And it stuck with me. There are so many like great stories from him that, you know, aren't like completely off limits to tell like the time that he and his friends picked up a a hooker on the side of the road that also happened to be a horrible burn victim <laughs> oh no <laughs> how'd that go yeah. and that they paid for her services with a loaf of bread <laughs> <laughs> which she later traded for gauze a... <laughs> right. bread I'm bleeding yeah Bread. I don't think she was actively a burn victim. That she hadn't been burned that night. <laughs> she wasn't leaving the scene. You probably a... take the night off. I think his adjective was fresh. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> That's rough. Yeah. So yeah, man. That the. Uh, it, it, I mean, like it's seriously the craziest two years, three years ever. And it all kind of coincided with the busiest time of my life at that point from an increased workload at the station to having a kid or my wife being pregnant, having a kid, you know, trying to deal with a baby and it just, the, the, it, it was just so much that was going on that it just seemed like a sideshow at the time. It didn't even seem real. Like it wasn't really happening. You just kind of dealt with it. But, I mean, you know, it didn't just end immediately. There were, there was a buildup of two, three years or whatever. You know, he told the story on the air, and I don't know what year this was. I get them all mixed up now. Maybe in 03. And it was like at the end of 2003 or 2 or something like that where he went into rehab, and he announced he was going into rehab for Vicodin. Like Ski that was, trip? 
I mean, he told about it. He said, I'm going into rehab. But I thought there was a time when he said he got injured skiing or something like that. Was there not? like? And he got hooked on it because, on pills, yeah, 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 it may have been the, the root cause. But I remember him telling the story on the air. Yeah. And, and uh, Mike kind of fishing it out of him, leading him along the way, like, where are you going? What are you doing? What's special about this vacation we're having? Oh, I'm going into rehab and all that. It's like, whoa, I had no idea. Had no clue. Um, Do you think, like, did Mike know and was trying to get it out of him, or he just felt like something was fishy? Like, I think it was one of those times where he had missed an inordinate amount of work, you know, which happened yeah. on a regular occasion. Where yeah. typically, if some people get sick, they're they're sick. Uh, I don't know, three, four days a year max, unless they have the flu horribly or something like that. But just he would just take days off by the dozens, and it wouldn't be any big deal at the time. Too, we were owned by a company that handle things a little bit differently than they do now. Susquehanna, the powers that be, they you know, they just, they just things were really loose. And I don't think that would fly here in in corporate America how we're run today. But he would take he would take a month's worth of sick days every year. Yeah, like I've always heard the uh that um don't tell cat thing or uh yeah, yeah that he was talking to Cat, right? And the it's a fake bit of Gordon yeah, yeah, yeah. impersonating him, but that that was just based on like things he had previously said or right. close. I don't know that right. if he ever talked about the zebras with the roofing tiles. The best but, was the best was because the the line that you would hear is, well, you know what? We're going to come out there. We're going to come check. Don't come out here. <laughs> <laughs> that was real. Don't come out of here, Cat. So yeah, but like, did you? Uh... Did you meet him like right away whenever you started working at the station? Like I know you were briefly like you briefly interned for them. Did you have any relationship with him at that time at all? Or not no. really until you became a little bit more of a entity? Yeah, like probably when I started producing for Chris, I got to know those guys a little bit better, but still not not very well at all. Actually, I knew him better than I knew Mike just cuz Mike is Mike and real standoffish and Especially back then. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and he was hard to get to know. But I didn't make much of an effort. I mean, at the time I was still running around with all my college friends and I didn't really, that was like a big click up there at the station that I didn't really give a shit about being a part of. I wanted to know the guys, but I didn't want to like hang out with them or anything, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, and But Greg was, he was always real cool, man. He was always, you know, <laughs> anything you needed, five bucks here, five bucks there, case of beer. You know, at the time when all that meant a ton, <laughs> he was just like, here, here's a case of Miller Lite. You need this? Here, take this. You want an umbrella? Here, take it. I don't need it. He was like the the godfather up there that would just give you stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I never knew. You never knew that he had kind of demons inside. And I'd heard rumors here and there that, that they were there. And, you know, he's talked about them publicly now. So it's, I mean, I'm, I'm not talking about like the, the drug stuff. Just in general, he's battled some things in the past. Just personal stuff. Yeah, tough upbringing, all that. I, I don't really remember him being like a big time partier, though. Like, I'm sure there was a time when he might have been like when he was younger, but he didn't seem like a dude who was just really no, he drinking like a bunch or anything like that. Hardly any. Yeah. I never, I mean, he would drink Miller Lite. Yeah. And that was it. He would go like have pool parties and drink three, four, five Miller Lights or whatever, but he wouldn't like go out. You would never see him go out, out, things like that. There was a time in Austin at training camp, and I was down there. Um, this would have been in like 90. Six, seven, something like that, and I was down there um, in Austin. God, that was the best job ever at the time because they sent me down to Austin to specifically go, just go to chase tape, 
for the morning practice and the afternoon practice, and then I would just send it, cut it up and send it back, and that was it. And I would, <laughs> dude, it was ugly down there. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That um, sounds wonderful. Yeah, it was great. But Grego got hammered. At some point down there, they all went out, and he got just shit-canned. And, and then he, we have that drop of him on the air at 3.30 or whatever going, I need to apologize to all my fans <laughs> because I'm so hungover. <laughs> like, I have to apologize to you right away. Boy, I had no idea what the origin of that <laughs> no, was. No, I didn't either. Yeah, that's it. He was so hungover that he needed to apologize to all his fans. <laughs> I know, um, that, like, whenever I went out to the, uh, the the lake house he had once with a family that I knew that lived right by him, everyone there was smashed, and except for him, yeah, like, he just wasn't. He was just kind of host guy. Yeah, like he would just. He never. I'm need? telling you, you, man. Need? What do you need? He never was that guy. I never saw him drunk, drunk. You know, I've seen everybody else pretty drunk up there, but I've never seen, or at the time, I'd never seen him that way at all. So it was weird. Like when all of it happened, when all of it started to happen, and then you could, you know, you kind of put the pieces together. Yeah, it got it's it's weird because it wasn't him. It wasn't him at all. If you wouldn't be surprised at all if I end up just losing it and going I expect that. Yeah. <laughs> so you uh the adjective uh, of a horrific drug accident. <laughs> <laughs> Game one. Um I know this so I I've Definitely read like the uh, the big Richie Witt piece on yeah. uh, Grego, and it's certainly um, he, it makes you wonder how much of it, like him not working out on the show, obviously like drugs played a role, and it's like a big role, but like there's also some amount of just, and I think that maybe his drug use kind of led to this, but uh, just him being upset with what role he played on the show and like feeling like he wasn't being involved in the same way and just kind of like roles had changed over time and he didn't really like how that game of musical chairs had left him. Yeah. Um, how did, did you ever like, uh, did you feel it was that way? Like you could tell that he was pissed about it. Did you feel like it changed a lot? Well, he was, you know, he was upset that, you know, the relationship between he and Mike had just gone into the crapper, you know? Do you think that was like always, Going to be that way? No, no. I mean, Greco got caught in a bunch of lies telling all of us, and and it just kind of spiraled from there. And um, like about just little stuff. Yeah, stupid stuff. Yeah. Little stuff. Some of it was big. Um, but that their relationship got really, really tense. And so you know, we'd come into work, and every day it was Greco just kind of put his head on the desk and not say a word. And then if he did, it would get shot down. And I think all of it just kind of fed into what eventually became him trying to deal with that in some way. But I, you know, like back to the Vicodin thing, he was he was doing that. He he got help or whatever. But I don't think after that he ever really stopped doing some form of drug. You know, like it was always at that point. So that would have been O two ish, O three, something like that. It was always there in one form or another. You know, like it never. After he started doing that, it never went away. So prior to him saying, I'm but going it, into but, rehab for Vicodin, you didn't know he used drugs? No. Okay. I didn't, he didn't drink. Yeah. you know, That's like a pretty was, rare bird. Like people that don't drink at all and do that sort of drugs like yeah, that. you know, people do it. <laughs> <laughs> Not those drugs. Yeah, but... Give me time. He's a lot older than me. Yeah, it, it was super weird. It was, you know, I mean... I, 
It almost makes it sounds like his frustration with with work and the like insecurities because we all have them that come along with uh, working in like a creative industry and sometimes feeling like you're less than. In some ways, it led to his personal uh, demons being exacerbated and that being like them being brought to the forefront, which is a pretty depressing thing to think about. But I definitely know that there are days where you fight more at work and you go home and you're like, I just need a drink. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to think about this right for now. For sure. Like, that definitely does happen. And so. But I think it, you know, for him, <laughs> and he would probably tell you this too, that the problems that he had growing up, which were vast, vast. Um, just like family stuff, you mean? Yeah, yeah. They, they, they just kind of all, it all came to a head. But, it, you know, it started there, and he never really got things right with a lot of different situations, family members, what have you, and then... Therapy, man. Yeah, and it I mean, he, he was going through it. I really? know he was, yeah, he was trying anything and everything, you well, know. Maybe not then. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't really work out in the end for him. But mainly with him, it was just the lies. You know, I mean, he told... He told those guys this is before I met him, like in the eighties, that he was he played major league baseball. And then they just opened up the the major league baseball whatever whatever it's like called. An it? Yeah, yeah, and looked him up. He said he got a double off Steve Carlton and <laughs> Don't you think that that's almost like my dream as a child that I could cover kicks one day on the Texas uh, special teams unit like why not just fucking make it a dinger man that is <laughs> like, a fine point yeah why, like just, why can't you just take Carlton why'd you deep? have to slide into second on something you legged out a little well bit, and right? I think it was I think it was a ground rule double <laughs> and then, so it did go over the fence and then he blew his knee out rounding second oh okay and that was and it so you were trying to why would you round out second a, on leg a, out a ground, ground rule, rule into... double well I think he didn't know that it had gone over the wall and he was <laughs> clearly trying to leg out a triple it's, uh, it, it brings to mind just the, not a very good lie. Yeah, right, it's right. Just too much there. Yeah, it's a bad lie. So it was, he had issues with that. More than anything, I think that's what got to uh, what got to Mike. Yeah, but then you know some of his ideas when he was in his lowest point, which were years. We're talking years of him being at a low point. Um, his ideas became pretty insane for the show and so they always got shot down it was just like what no you know um yeah and you can hear some of that stuff like in uh listening to clips and i i definitely feel like there was just a point where um the confidence was eroded so much that just there wasn't you'd tried to understand him enough times that like I just don't think the rest of the people on the show were interested in understanding him because like that uh the thing that i've heard plenty of times played for myself like just because it's fun it's funny is the uh the patrick henry uh, there was someone who was being sent to uh be executed and grego alleged that as their final speech they should just give the patrick henry speech which i think it starts with no one else knowing what the fuck he meant but i like do remember history class when you know the Peace, peace, men may cry peace. The give me liberty or give me death. He, that's what he's talking about. He's talking, if he yeah. said, you should say, give me liberty or give me death, I think that Everyone you guys would have... Oh, revolutionary, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. Um, but instead was just like, I'm doing a Patrick Henry speech. <laughs> he's as slurred as he's ever been on the air. And the peace, well, men cry peace. <laughs> you know what happened there is that that was at the Super Bowl in Miami. Damn. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. And that was the so that would have been in February. So we're talking People about people never do cocaine in Miami. <laughs> yeah. 
We're talking about nine months before the the end. I think it was that year. It may have been the year before. I mean, I'm telling you, all those years run together for me. Sure. But because um, your own. Uh, yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> you, they're 500 years. So, like, there was a time, and I, I haven't seen it the last few Super Bowls, where <laughs> there was always an open bar, you know, for the media, and at five o'clock every single day out there, I would get a giant, like, Manhattan or something like that, and just sip on it through the show, go wireless, you know, dick around, and it became like a running bit. And I think on that day or that that Super Bowl trip, he uh, he started drinking wine and like bottles of rosé, and it didn't really mix well with whatever pills he was taking. And yeah, I know I know there was a a come to Jesus meeting there about the drinking, like you can't do this anymore, man. After Patrick Henry. It, it didn't really work out for him too yeah. well. Um, but yeah, that, that that was a writer. Again, that may have been a year prior, or it may have been that year. That may have been the the, the start of everything bad. Yeah, so you say that it's a, a multi-year period where things are pretty close to inoperable. Um, I don't remember if it's Jake that told me this or someone else who, uh, who worked there, but I I'd certainly had heard um, that like uh, whenever they were on remote, that like the talk back during breaks was just like yelling. I definitely heard. I mean, in the control room, I heard probably a dozen. I mean, and it was probably just like him and Mike. Well, three or four of them might have been concentrated in like a couple week period, and I don't, really could never exactly tell what was going on. Yeah, but it was it was fights. Does like that... it was fights about whatever, and fights about hey, this guy's got my back. Oh yeah, well this guy's got my back, and it was like, and then they would come out of break, and like you really couldn't tell. Does that match your memory? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And you know they they would they would walk out, and this was for for years. They would go to separate elevators. Mike would would storm out of there as fast as he could, so we wouldn't have to ride on the elevator with him. Fuck, that was man. years, years. It was like that. Um, and then Danny and I would just kind of hang back, completely away from everyone, and then we'd take our own elevator and just be like, Jesus. And then you'd start all over the next day. <laughs> you'd go right back at it. So, and there would be silence in the meeting, and you would try to plan the show. And there would be one guy in the corner doing nothing, one guy pacing around, staring at the other guy, bullets through him. And it was, dude, it was, it was unbelievably tense every and, day. Uh, I know that there is the uh, another Gordon bit of uh, Mike suggesting really obscure ideas about a confluence that's happening in his sphere of influence. We should just talk about that at. 310 yeah um more active role in the show <laughs> so is that uh was was that also an accurate depiction like was the entire meeting just like uh grego saying zany stuff and mike talking like mike talks and it, yeah it, was if there were like uh concrete suggestions for segments where were they usually coming from <sighs> me because <laughs> <laughs> at that point you did like what just E news community quick hits and like college football stuff. You were always on. Yeah, they would. They had me on for college football, but that took a couple of years. So that probably wasn't until like oh three or oh four when I started doing that, and then slowly would let me do something here or there. But yeah, mainly it was e news community quick hits, college football, wireless stuff. You know, just bits, and we do a bit every other day or something like that. But mm -hmm. um, 
yeah, it was mainly like, hey, let's just, you want to do this? Yes. You want to do this? Yes. And then, are we done? All right. And then you storm out of there, you know, and then the hammer would be over there with his head down and you'd be like, are you okay, Greg? Huh? Huh? Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Aww, so, as, as this is going on for years, um, what... Were you having con like whenever you and Danny were writing down your separate elevator? Are are you having conversations about how we got to do something? Like one of them has to go. Like, ha- or or was it not until he was fired that that was even something that was broached? How how much were you talking about that? I mean, how much were you thinking about it? Thinking about it every day. Talking about it though. You, I mean, there was there was nothing you could do. I mean, you're talking about like the at the time the two most powerful people in Dallas radio, basically, that that didn't like each other, but they didn't really know what to do either. Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm surprised by, like, the, that one of the two of them didn't want to, like, on their own, but, like, that they wouldn't, yeah. like, wouldn't both of them want out? There were times when, when Grego would call me and be like, hey, man, I'm, I'm, someone's coming after me, I'm taking another gig, which I don't think was ever true. He would cite a few examples about people country stations coming after him and you know those are my people and blah 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 but it never i don't i don't think he was telling the truth you know i think i don't know what mike's goal was i've no if the thing didn't just completely explode the way it did i have no idea how it was going to last another another six months but how long had you been thinking that for probably at least two three years yeah how how long was the period then that you would actually say that they were they were friends yeah, was there a time when you were on the show where like it worked really well? I would say until yeah, until like oh two until the Viking thing. When did you join the show? Two thousand, like early two thousand. Okay, so Just yeah, they had year. a nice seven or eight eight year run before it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's kind of hard to imagine them ever really being friends. It is like off the air actual friends, and that's, especially because it's very different. Like there. you and Mike are very different, but that's not hard for me to imagine. And you and Grego are very different, but it's really not that hard for me to imagine. But that might say more about you than either one of them. But that's just that it never really seemed. Just when they were starting the sh- when they were starting the station, that Mike and Greg were like, "Oh, well, of course we'd do a show together." Yeah, like yeah. that. That ever was something that someone said. And it seems were, difficult to conceptualize. I don't know if they were like <laughs> hanging out, friends, you know, buddies off the air or anything. But they spent so much time at Ranger Games mm-hmm. that, and they were what was called the back of the bus, which was right, the old press George box. And, and yeah, and they were all, and he said that people would just clamor to listen to whatever they were talking about at the time. And so they became that type of friend. Again, I don't know what that means. I don't know what type of friends they actually were, if they ever did anything or went to concerts or dinner or anything like that. But they definitely were on a friendly basis until, you know, things just started to go to shit. So as far as uh, the taking off months of vacation days and stuff yeah. like that. Um, I don't know. I guess I, I guess it just sounds like the, the lying was something that was present throughout, even whenever he wasn't doing any drugs. Um, and so I just, I wonder, like, is the just disappearing for long times without any kind of explanation, is that something that's just drug-based? I mean, I kind of assume that he's using that time to recover from, like, too much drug use, but... Or, or was it just he's flaky and you never know where he's going to be? Like, how much do you think it was just kind of his, uh, you know, basic uh, dishonesty? I, it, a lot of it. But, I mean, by the end, I mean, the OnStar episode there at the end, I mean, that was all drug-fueled. 
mm-hmm. everything in that last year was pretty heavily drug fueled because he was a stickler for being on time always like that's one of the things because I roomed with him a bunch of Super Bowls and he's like all right what time are we meeting where is it going to be and blah 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 and he was I mean always sharp as attack about being on time and and if we had to go do something or go do an interview or bits or I mean dude was always there mm-hmm. you could always rely on him um, if he told you he was going to pick you up or something like that now there were times when <laughs> There were times when he would be like, uh, if it wasn't work-related, if it was socially, because he would flake out on you socially like nobody I've ever seen in my life. If it was work-related, count on him. He's going to be there um, when things were going well. But like social stuff, like, hey, man, we're going to – like Dave Lane, I remember one time, had a birthday party. Mm-hmm. And he had it at the Elbow Room. And Greg was the one who said, man, we got to have a party. we got to do this, man. i got to do it right. i got to throw you a party, you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, Dave's like, yeah, sure, okay, that's cool. Thanks a lot, man. He's like, yep, we're going to make it big. I'm going to get a band and blah, blah, blah. And uh, he ends up paying for the whole thing, and I swear it costs like $1,000 for him to buy everything that was there, but he never showed up. Dude, <laughs> I totally know that personality. That's though, weird, you know? man. There are people, and that corresponds with someone who doesn't come to work. Those people oftentimes are like hypochondriacs where they think they're sick more than they are. Yeah, he was Just never... kind of a paranoidish type person. Yeah, he was never as sick as he thought he was. Right. But he would always, you know... And, and again, this is... This was right around the time it started getting sketchy when he would miss tons of work. And, you know, I talked to him all the time, every day. You all right? Yeah, I'm fine. Just so under the weather, man. I just can't get over it. Can't get over it. Well, you can go to the doctor. Yeah, but I mean, what are they going to do? And I just feel like shit and all that. That might just kind of be like depression, too. Yeah. There's no doubt. Yeah, I mean, but like you might have, that might lead to other things involving your immune system. But a lot of times it's just, you just feel shitty because you just feel shitty. Yeah. There's no, he's there, right. There's nothing a doctor can do. Yes, there is. You're 100% you right. Meds. 100% right. That was in his DNA at the time. I kind of wonder um, if the drug use, like, our station is one that uh, certainly is uh, not asking, and so we don't have to tell uh, <laughs> as a general policy. So I, I kind of wonder, like, you know, the, the headline thing is he got kicked out because uh, he was using cocaine. But, like, I don't know. If, if you just showed up and did your work and the, the lying thing wasn't part of it, I kind of think that... If you're doing cocaine on your own time and keeping it to yourself, like I doubt that that becomes an issue. Yeah, but in dude, a way. Like, think about what we were just saying. People who have those sort of deep seated no, issues. No, I know like it's all tied together. <clears throat> yeah, once you mix in that, like they're not just going to be like ah, just a little every now and then on the week. Like they don't. Like I know he was missing things <laughs> and becoming unreliable because of you know. Yeah. I, like I, I certainly recognize that they're that they're intertwined, but um, I don't know. It just it seems like uh, that, that it's that it's kind of spun as well. He had a drug problem. When like I don't know I I think that that's or would you agree with the statement that that's more of a symptom than a cause? The drug problem was the well that was a cherry on top of all of it. Yeah. Okay. So like if it just would have been the lies um, alone, like remove drugs completely out of it, and then you know the lies and being sick all the time, there was going to be some sort of explosion moment that wasn't related to drugs. Some come to Jesus moment about that. But then the drugs really sent everything into such a spiral that there was no way out of it. I almost wonder if that prolonged it because of it becomes like a medical issue and not a workplace issue. Like if it's just, hey, you're incorrigible and you're not coming to work 
and you have bad ideas. Like it, that's a lot harder to. But when someone can say that they have an addiction or they have a sickness or something, yeah, I almost wonder if that makes it harder to fire somebody or harder to be. From a management standpoint, yeah. it's impossible. You have because you have to take care of your employees. You have to, yes, you, of course, you have to do that. So yeah, I mean that was that was uh, that was part of the deal. Whenever it it all went down, that it, there was no good way to go about it. So you said uh, that he was on time a ton, and uh, whenever that stopped, was that like just the Blackfin episode? You were surprised he was showing up late, or was it like that whole year? No, before no, no. Okay, started. No, being... no, no. Like the yeah, that that whole year was bad, but that particular day was. I can tell you, man, it was one of the weirdest days ever because I'd called him that morning probably. Oh man, a dozen times. I'm not even exaggerating. Because um, we were doing, I can't remember what it was, but we were doing something on the show, and we want, I wanted to talk to him about it. And, um, you know, it, it, the morning turns into noon, and noon rolls into one, and, and we're all talking. I'm like, man, there's something wrong. He always would eventually answer his phone. And um, so I called our, our boss, and I go, man, I go, I don't know how to say this, but somebody needs to go into his place. You need to go find the manager of his complex and get inside his place because something horrible has happened. And like Gordon Hayward, bad <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they did that. They got the manager and, and went in there. He wasn't there. Um, but we, at that point, I thought he was dead. Like I had already come to grips with the fact that at some point, during that show, we were going to get the phone call that he was dead. And that's because you already kind of had a background of that after he'd come back from the Vicodin rehab, you kind of knew that he was dabbling in more serious shit already. Oh, yeah. So that, that was already an open oh, yeah. secret. That, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. That was all out there. And so I thought for sure that... And again, at the very least, he would... Even if he answered the phone going like, hello, <laughs> you know, he would, he would pick up the phone. And especially when I called him. Yeah. If it was Mike, there's no way. But right. if I called him and called him repeatedly... And I also had the phone number to his um, girlfriend at the time, and I guess she was in school. I don't know what was going on. I can't remember what her deal was, but she was no help, and she couldn't figure it out either. And and it was really scary. And so whenever I heard, hey, it's me, I'm on OnStar, you know, I'm like, what the? I think you can hear me be like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> you you can hear you for sure. Uh, throughout, the way that Mike reacts is uh, it's huh. it's fun. Yeah. It's something. And, and he's insisting on keeping the Herschel Walker voice throughout. Yeah, it's 20 minutes of fake Herschel was, with OnStar. It was the uh, the anniversary of the Herschel Walker trade, so he spoke as Herschel Walker throughout the day. Yeah, and I also enjoy, like... <laughs> Who's this? I'm really glad that, that Bob it has not gotten you, had to get used to this sort of thing. But the same dismay that he talks about the way that I sounded on the way back from Columbus... After drinking half a fifth of whiskey with some frat bros and smoking a blunt in the parking lot, at the, <laughs> you <laughs> smoked a blunt in the parking lot of Ohio State. I walked around the tailgate like by myself with some guy. He was like, "We'll go over here. We'll go over here." Yeah, like I've, that was totally not. That was not just a little couple beers at the game. <laughs> that was like the full on no, cigars. Blunts, whiskey, went into a bar, did shots with random people. Like I certainly got the impression on. it was as the way much that he seemed seen. as dismayed by that. I almost feel like you can hear him really confused, but kind of suspecting something is wrong 
with what's going on with Grego that day on Why Do Day Doesn't Suck. Like, he seems really... Uh, Did Bob and Dan know that you hadn't been able to contact him? No. They didn't okay. seem like it at all. No, yeah, they, they, yeah, because they, they, they kind of were like, okay, someone's calling into Why Do Day Doesn't Suck. It, it happens. Yeah. No, they didn't know it all. At all. Man, that's weird. Yeah. And no one was... George and Craig were aware, and Gordon were aware of what was going on for years, just because, you know, I mean, they're... They were there when it all started, and they were all friends with him, but um, it was pretty hidden. And I think unless you were really, really in tune with every single day what was going on as a listener, you weren't you weren't really sure. We was hidden pretty well. I mean, some of the, I guess it's probably, I've got a bad perspective on it, because it's uh, just, I hear the highlights, like the Patrick Henry speech, but like, and I don't know, maybe he was stone cold sober when he lit that newspaper on fire, but... Yeah, I don't it's, know. It's uh, more fun to imagine and <laughs> easier to imagine if you're uh, fucked up. I also think, like, before we get back to that date, I think they're not being Twitter and or Facebook or whatever in ways for people to share things that sort of sort of snowball and then people know to look for them. Yeah, You know what I mean? True. Like, if a listener points something out and then it gets kind of out there and then people start to glom onto it, now we have, like, these full... They're not, like, that representative, I guess, of the overall listening audience by any means, but... There are enough people who talk on Twitter to where I think that sort of thing, if one person noticed it, way more people, it would stick out to them. Yeah. It would really sort of take off in a way that, you know, 10 years ago, even though there was blogs and it brought us wheresgrego.com. Um, <laughs> God. <laughs> that, was, that actually, uh, that did turn into Twitter. It was the people that started Where's Grego. <laughs> that's they're, right. They're yes. tech pioneers. They got a... a, a some VCs on board. Got no, some seed capital for as, Where's Grego. As far as uh, weird Grego moments, um, I really wanted to ask you about uh, the Chief Kunkel thing because for some reason that came up uh, a couple months ago and I tracked down that show and I listened to the whole show of him and the big unit hosting together while you guys are gone. Yeah. And because the Kunkel thing is the most disjointed I've ever heard a human... I figured, like, oh, well, he's just fucked up on coke the whole time. And I got to say, he's not doing great. Like, it's not the most entertaining show I've heard, but he's got it together throughout. Is there a, a date on that? Um, I mean, it was like a year or two. It was within the period you're talking about, I right? I think it was 04. Some, I, I want to say maybe 04. That, that sounds about right. But, yeah, we were – and that, that, that goes back to um, – the company back then, like if somebody was gone, a host was gone, it wasn't, hey, I'm putting so-and-so in there with you for the day. It's, who do you want to get? Oh, you want to get a P1 that's never been on the air? Yeah, yeah great idea. Come on, bring it. It was just freaking the Wild West. He that's did, incredible. Yeah, you just kind of did whatever you wanted. And so he got... In, uh, in White Tays and Suck, he was like, we're going to do... It was kind of, we did the ticket before the ticket. It was just me and him on a bar stool. And uh, then Dan spent like the rest of YTA and suck breaking down what exactly he meant by the ticket before the ticket. Like, what constitutes the ticket? <laughs> like, did That's you guys a... have a radio signal? <laughs> a license? Uh, employees? Well, we're, or... we're just in a bar. <laughs> well, but we don't do the show in a bar now. <laughs> But that was that so that great. that actual moment was classic Greg because what he had in his mind was he was going to be combative because he thought that the chief was going to say something else. Yeah, like he's on hard copy or something, right. just putting something. And so on the he, run. in his mind, when he asked the question, the only thing going through his mind was, whoa, 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 whoa. but wait, 
Yeah. Yeah. Don't let him get away with this answer. Don't let him do it. Don't. Yeah. I really love my job. What? It wasn't the question. But that was. I don't. I, I doubt that he was. I doubt. You know, it wasn't like it was a daily thing, and, and okay. especially back then, like oh four or whatever. You would just. You would pick up on things. You know. You would see it in his eyes. You would see the the faraway look and. You would kind of know. You kind of know stuff was going on. Man, I feel like if you're if you're dabbling with with pills or blow, it that takes you. That's going to take you a few days to like. You're going to be out of it for a while. Like oh you yeah. Said, that's not a. You don't have to be doing that every day to have everything kind of be like weird for you. I think especially pills and just with your tongue. Like that's the weird thing about a lot of the Grego stuff is you can hear it in his tongue, and I think pills give you. Weird delivery, way the, more than Coke the, does. Coke the, might wreck your life more, but... The thing that, that was freaking me out at the time was it was so obvious to me and every one of us that were there on a daily basis that he was slurring his words. And I mm-hmm. thought it was horrible Yeah, in that last year. And, I mean, it, it, it made me so uncomfortable that I thought, I was like, man, this is the takedown of the ticket. He's going to bring this whole place just screaming down. And I was, you know, I was freaking out over that. Um, but it, it was so obvious to me. But it really, like, I mean, maybe it's just because there wasn't social media. You didn't hear a lot of chatter about it. I mean, I don't know where I would have. Yeah. I would have people, you know, people that we worked with were like, oh, my God. You know, it's, it's, it's terrible. And you'd have some people that would come up and be like, hey, you know, uh, the, those sinuses sure are bothering him or whatever it is. Like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> but I think that also speaks to just the general idea that, like, no one listens as much as we think they do. Right. And maybe there are some people that actually do, but no one's listening probably as much as even you were at that time to the rest of the station. So, right. you know, when you see those statistics in meetings where it's like, yeah, the average person is listening, for us, it's huge that it's like, 35 minutes a day right and the national average is like 12 you're like what the fuck like i feel like i don't listen that much anymore and i easily hear two hours three hours of the station that i'm not there for every day absolutely and so it's just yeah and maybe there's like a mean median average situation there but you know you might not be able to pick up on it if you only hear him for five minutes a day yeah but it was and you wouldn't some there were some days when he would show up and it wasn't he would be okay, and then as the day progressed, it would get worse. I I, I talked about it a lot. I remember talking about it with Danny. That it reminded me of my, of my grandma. She had this like some sort of dementia thing going on. It would get worse as the day went on. I've always heard that. Like sunset disease is what right. they call it when the sun yeah. starts to set. It's really really bad. Yeah, my uh, my grandma had that towards the end. Yeah, and so he would get that way as the as the day progressed. He would get a lot worse. And do you think that's because like he? took something at the start or just like going through the day he's just kind of battered already and he was not on anything but just kind of losing his energy yeah i don't know uh it's it i don't know it's probably a combination of of all of that depends on the day yeah for sure so as far as the uh the blackfin day (laughs) do you uh do you have any firm answers or ideas of what occurred before he called in on his onstar yeah, he said he was at the lake, and I, I've always did been he say so, that on on yeah, star? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The, like the the boat ran out of gas. Yes, um, boat ran out of gas. He had to paddle in <laughs> Lake Granberry. He had to paddle in from the middle of Lake Granberry. So I, and then he didn't. He hitched a ride. Yeah, with someone that had on star, and that was it. 
So I I've always just been mystified. Like you know, uh, nowadays that my uh, my my folks were able to also reach that Grego lifestyle of getting a, a place out at the lake, and I could not imagine uh, like little Friday morning boating. A, I mean, yeah. <laughs> It's a Friday. <laughs> like I would not leave work on at seven on Thursday and be like, "Well, time to go to the lake." Uh, it was. Was there a single other time you could remember where, like, he came in and was like, "Well, you know, just had to drive in from the lake." No. So it was not a, a regular pattern of behavior. So no. I, I guess I'm just saying that. Uh, like how believable? I think he might have been lying. That's. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's my I, suspicion. Yeah, <laughs> he was, he, and he admitted it. You know, he was. That was an all nighter for him. I just, I just didn't know if you'd ever like. Uh, the thing is, though, I don't know where he was. Why, yeah, because because he wasn't at his place. Yeah, they went in there and looked at everywhere, and they're like, "Man, he's not here." I'm like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, our boss called me on the way to Blackfin, and he's like, "He goes, look, the the guy, whoever the guy was, the GM of the place, went in there and and um, couldn't find him. No signs of anything." I'm like, "Holy crap!" Yeah, and like, uh, you know, I mean, just the not answering your phone calls, like, what was he doing during that time? Dude, well, you're just sleeping. Yeah. You're just sleeping it off. Like, if you're going that hard, like, you're, you're, you're just, you're not like, hey, uh, let me do this last massive toot here. And then, uh, you know what? I think I'll just go to bed in an hour. Like, you're just <laughs> done where he, he's done where he's done. And it's probably not planned out. And it's not like, you know what? Uh, I think I'm good to drive home now or I'm good to, I mean, Uber, cab, whatever. That's just kind of a, you're dead where you lie. And you're going to probably sleep a lot longer than you're planning to. And he uh, probably slept. And I don't know yeah, what you're time. you're getting out your phone like, hmm, a quick alarm. Why don't I set two in case I miss the first one? What like, Do you guys know what time, how long, why today doesn't suck went into it before he called? It was like five minutes. Yeah, it wasn't that long into it. And I think he was at uh, Blackfin by the time right, the right over started. the start of the show. And also that used to be 310. What do you mean? I believe Why Did It Isn't Suck was starting at, or uh, the hardline was starting at 310 at that time. That we wouldn't take it to 320? Right. No, I, th- I think the. I think if you, I mean, I th- almost think if you go back and listen to the audio, or maybe it's first threw me off because Bob said 228 instead of 258. Uh, I know that happened on the audio, but maybe. Yeah, he starts at 258. And then, used to be then they four, do like 20 minutes. E News used to be 410, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, okay. yes, yes. Maybe that's what's throwing me off because there's a little bit of e news mixed in there too in the file that I had. And it's like, I don't really know. Yeah. He's there pretty quickly I mean, from the time he gets on the phone. He's like there 15 minutes, right? Yeah, like, uh, well, I mean, just 20 minutes. He's on the phone the entirety of why he doesn't suck. When the hard line proper starts, he's there, he's not on the phone. And then uh, you go through an entire <coughs> segment. Excuse There's me. even like one point where Mike directly talks to Greg, and it's not acrimonious. It's because uh, the first couple times Greg talks, it's like sort of a uncomfortable silence afterwards. He and issues then, a couple bad jokes. Yeah, that I remember thinking, okay, these are bad jokes, but I also remember Grego telling bad jokes like this all the time. Yeah, like you're talking about colonoscopies, it's just like the old him. Yeah, colonoscopies, and Mike's like, we could do that on the air, and Grego's like, well, that'd be pretty crappy, and everyone lays out, and Mike's like. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh God, damn! That really wasn't that bad of a Grego joke, but you're treating it like he should be fired for it. But that that thaws towards the end of the segment. Uh, then you go to break. That 
fucking bicycle drop. Uh, Groobs does a great job throughout, and we sh- we should sorry. Pro- let's let's put a pin in it. We can discuss. We can have a debate about whether or not Groobs was good uh, Lo- later. Love the guy, but that 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 just drives me insane. <laughs> I believe strongly that, that bicycle he was. drop. No, we we can talk about it more. All right, but uh, <laughs> but then you you come back from break. <laughs> Uh, you can hear you say something along the lines of like, "Don't mention it." Like the like clearly someone put you up. To, groups put you up too early. Um, oh yeah, and yeah. you're like kind of uh, planning or something. Uh, is he so gone? I, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at that point, Grego is not on the show or the station ever again. Um, so I've just always really wondered what happened in that break. Well, he didn't have a phone, and there was a massive fight between the three of us. Because we knew he was lying, and um, and then uh, I believe someone from the corporate offices were like demanding an answer from him on my phone, and so he's talking to him. And man, I don't really know exactly how it went down, but I know that they said you need to get out of there. And whether or not they wanted him to go take a drug test. Yeah, because, I mean, if the situation was just, hey, I showed up to work what is basically 20 minutes late, and I have been non-communicative this morning with my coworkers, that's not enough for them to call you and be like, you're fucking out of here. I mean, you've probably done something semi-close to that. Not that they can't get a hold of you, but you've probably had to be like, hey, I can't talk this morning, emergency, I'll be at the show at 315 or whatever. Listen, there's shake joints that have happened. Yeah, no, hey, look, I've been an hour late once before. Um, but yeah, that's not the same thing. They're not going to call you and be like, you're, you're off the air right now just for that. Like, yeah. They have to either suspect more, know more. Well, I mean, this has been going more, on whatever. for, for yeah. forever. And you know, this was just the, the final straw and, and, and the fact that, you know, here's the thing is that through it all, you know, as a human being, I'm genuinely concerned about the guy mm-hmm. and I'm having conversations an hour prior to this, or maybe 20 minutes prior to this saying, He's dead. Yeah. I know he's dead. And then when all that happens, and, and, and you know, we, we have all of our bosses on top of it, too. I'm like, dude, it's, it's over. He's not. He's gone. And so they're freaking out. They, you know, do the apartment check, the welfare check. <laughs> and, and so everybody's in on what's going on. And then nothing really flies with his excuse of... You know, Crazy as it sounds, it didn't fly that he was stuck in the middle of a, a lake <laughs> with, with no phone, no phone, two hours away, and had to paddle in, and then hitched a ride with someone that had OnStar. I mean, so that prompted them to take the next step, which is finally, this is inexcusable. You need to prove to us that you're not jacked up. But I don't know exactly how it went down, but I remember a lot of screaming. I can't imagine what the promo crew was thinking. Holy shit. God. What I wouldn't give. Yeah, to be on that crew. They but, probably all got a little, like a Texas Land and Cattle gift card to sign an NDA <laughs> or something. <laughs> Free app. <laughs> you can redeem this at any location. <laughs> but I mean, it was a lot of, you motherfucker this and fuck you that. I mean, were there patrons at this restaurant? 
Uh, I mean, I guess it was pretty early in the day, but it was a Friday, like a pretty busy. Oh, Texas weekend too, right. but you know what? No, wh- that one wasn't, was it? It was the weekend after, because I, I oh, remember was? you saying that. Yeah, but the, at some the, point they mentioned you got a football in the weekend. You said Oklahoma plays Missouri, but also the date on Oklahoma Texas day. has been now. It's this now. It's it's always a second weekend. What was the actual date? It was October twelfth, wasn't it? Maybe yeah. oh. So maybe they had just played the week yes, before. Because yeah, sometimes, you, you know, October 1st, then October 9th. Or what whatever, I remember whatever, about uh, college football Because you being... talk about that in the segment. Uh, yeah. I believe that Mike alleges that uh, it's his concern that uh, neither Texas nor OU will allow enough black spectators in the game. Yeah. Oh. Um, he's, but he's, he thinks that there might be some institutional racism that he would like to bring down. But okay? also... That you uh, might be supporting. Did I, I found... take it? Did I take a knee? <laughs> <laughs> I found it uh, interesting that on the same day that uh, Grego meets his demise in his ticket career, we're debating whether or not this might be the end for Coach Fran. (laughs) (laughs) Are you serious? Yes. The exact segment where you take over and Grego's no longer there, the first argument or discussion you guys are having is, if you were looking at this from a national perspective, would you be willing to give A&M and Coach Fran a pass right now? And Mike's like, I think this is probably it for Coach Fran. And it was. And that's fucking hilarious because all i remember about grego's college football points was oh Coach yeah Fred and get your looks in he now. will win <laughs> multiple national championships before <laughs> mac brown uh so as far as like the rest of that day goes you still have dude three or two and a half hours or something to fill i don't even remember it, it I, I just remember i remember it being over with and driving home and just being like man what the fuck just happened yeah and how insane all of that must have sounded on the air and again when you don't have any sort of outside of email right where people can reach out to you and yell at you and ask questions can you imagine i can't imagine though how many people were like what just where did he go yeah yeah and then not only was it not so much so they started a website (laughs) right right and not only to where it's not addressed that day to where it's never really addressed in full for months? For legal purposes. Yeah. We so couldn't say a word. And I, I, I remember every day thinking, this is so fucked up. We can't say a word about it, yet we go up about our business like nothing's ever happened. So was it a matter of, like, did he sue at some point, or were they just afraid that he was going to sue? I honestly don't know. Okay. I don't, I don't know. And I think there may have been a threat, but I don't, I don't know. Was there a, a situation where, like, like, the second he walks out of there... Um, how long after that before you start into the mindset of like, okay, he's never coming back on? Like, whenever he walks out, do you think like, boy, I hope this calms down by Monday when he's back? Or no, we knew. I mean, we had a good idea that that was the very end. That that was the last straw. That there was no turning back. That something had to be done. Um, just for our own sanity. Um. And again, like I was saying, I mean, like it was there was a threat that the 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 show was going to be taken down, that that the station was going to be had the big scarlet letter because of all this, and you just kind of wanted to get rid of it, you know? You kind of wanted to move on. Dude, I remember there being a thing about uh, like drops, like there yeah. was some sort of controversy about, and I always thought that was pretty interesting too. Like, like for a while you played a lot of them, and then for a while you couldn't play any, and then <clears throat> right, I remember there being like. I thought that was really interesting, just from a like intellectual property stamp uh, property standpoint. Is you're thinking, okay, so who does own that? Do they own that? Do they own my voice? 
And you would think, I guess, they probably do. They but do. then it gets into the idea of... I mean, if I had some legal authority over Regan. <laughs> uh, but then it gets into the idea of, okay, maybe they do own it, but if I'm no longer on the air there, at what point does them just making basically a proxy for me with my own voice and them not having to pay me for it I don't know like it, that's I don't know that there's really ever been like a real def- definitive answer on how all that works I mean it's probably only a problem if the other person's going to make a deal over it right like like right. unless he's but if you've been run out and or in whether yeah. it's of your run out or you left which is probably you, why they told him to stop yeah. I, I think and then for like a month they did right I think that right. they definitely die down. I think they definitely do have control over anything that you've ever said on those airwaves, no matter what happens to you um, in the future after you leave. Whatever you did on that time, that's theirs. That's what I've always understood, and that's yeah. the problem, like that Gordon's had with for years and years and years. Um, yeah, but think that about that it does, this way. That that's not right, but it is what it is. Think about if somebody, like for example, the space is super gay drop. That was not on the air. You know? Yeah. Okay, so what if somebody was recording? Oh, so- yeah, I mean, if you want... But, I mean, there's no circumstance under which you'd, like, sue because you didn't like that. No, no, but or if we're just talking you about... You might be able to. Yeah, like, if something is recorded off the air and then played on the air and then it keeps getting played and you say, well, I didn't say that on the air. You can't play... I don't know. I know that's not... That's super yeah, minutia. Yeah, you probably have, you know... But I remember thinking at the time, I wonder how he's going to play this or how we're going to play it because... And then, yeah, for a while, it was like... I remember being a board op and going back through all those Grego drops at one point, being like, "Holy shit, this is all I should be playing!" Like, this, <laughs> this is so trope. good. Yeah, like yeah. I haven't heard so many of these in so long. The uh, the way I heard the Patrick Henry thing was uh, on overnight shifts. I would just search the terms "not for air," <laughs> and it's just a list of Grego moments. <laughs> it's great. I think that you know. I don't remember when we started running in plus ones when Kelly Milligan started coming in and all that. Yeah, I don't. I, w- I want to ask about that. I don't know when that started. I think it. I think it was just. I mean, you may know. You may have listened to shows. I think it was just me and Mike, and then Kevin Scott would jump in a lot more than he was, or he was like the the other host. Even like he stopped doing tickers and was doing that. Did he? Did he stop doing tickers? I think so for a while. And then, um, and then, to be honest with you, I'm not sure how all that ended, and I don't really remember how it just everything stopped, and we just was me and Mike and Danny for probably a month, and then we just were like, "Is this it?" And what would you say, like six months after the incident? <laughs> yeah, probably so. I would say six months. So, so that would have been '08, sometime in um, spring, spring of '08. Whenever you were, uh, whenever it was Mike and Greg hosting the show, and then you were the yuck monkey, would you be in the studio whenever they're doing a segment that didn't like directly involve you? No, I would go in there and hang out with Danny. So was that the case, like until that happened, like that Thursday yeah. before that show, you were hanging out with Danny during some portion? Well, of that? I mean, like, like the the uh, you know, like Jake was saying earlier, we were on remotes every Friday, but we were also on remotes. It a lot. Three times a week, yeah. minimum, we were on remote. And so for the last, so starting in like 05, I think, I started going on remote with them. I kind of demanded that. That was part of my look, man. Um, Push someone up against the wall. Exactly. And so at that point when I was going on the road with them all the time, I, there weren't, maybe baseball segments I would sit out completely. 
But other than that, there weren't that many segments that I was completely out on at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, on remote, especially. But no, I, 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 I want to say, you know, 05, 06, 07, that it wasn't like it was in one, two, three, four, where if it was anything sports related, basically, I would, I would take a, take a seat. But was it, was it still a deal where, like your life outside of the show, as far as what you would do to get ready, um, would I be correct to understand that that like shifted pretty drastically that Friday? Yeah, yeah, that that very quickly. The thing is, though, too, but we'd had a couple of years of of sketchy Greg, and and so with. The more he was checked out, the more that I was plugged in too, mm-hmm. and so and then that became more of I'm actually I need to come up with big ideas not only for we we did Five a lot of overcusters maybe well yeah we did a lot more non sports stuff there as he got worse and worse mm-hmm. put it that way we we screwed around a ton um and I think it was more just to kind of mask what was going on because the more voices you had on there, the less you could really tell how fucked up he, he was. Yeah. And, and then Danny, you know, I mean, if, if you know, Danny became much more prominent, not like he is now, but he started doing a lot more stuff too around that time. And it was, I think a lot of it was a concentrated effort just to mask what was going on. And there was so much, it wasn't just, he was fucked up the tension between he and Mike too. And so you kind of had to, you kind of had to separate that. Was that something you ever talked about with him, or that just all happened naturally? Where you said, Ooh. "Well, uh, with Danny, like, like, hey, man, we got to step in more there." Uh... No, I. But I remember having that conversation with Mike. Yeah. Like, look, this is sounding really bad. You know, you guys. It's clear to us that you know we know you don't like each other, but I remember talking to him about that and how weird that was on the air, and that you didn't want the listener to to think that at all. What was his reaction? He was cool with it. He was pretty open to anything, because um, he was he was miserable. Yeah, he was miserable. He was absolutely miserable. Yeah. So who all? It's so Kelly Milligan, Richie Wood, Kevin Bassick. Scott, Bassick moved in. Uh, Bassick did like one day as a plus one. He I don't remember that. Uh, there was some point where you asked them about the Sopranos, and he was like, "Meh, never heard of it." And I think that was uh. The end of consideration. Just slowly write a line to his name. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. I remember Grant Boone came in. Grant, Grant Boone, Boone, the golf guy. The golf guy. Yeah, Grant came in. I tried to get Razor. I tried to get Followell permanently. Like your thought at the end of that day was not "fuck yeah, I'm in." No. Okay. Did no. You, did you want that, or did you want to remain in the, exactly the role you'd been in? Um. No. I, I just. I, I thought it needed three. Vo- I thought we needed three voices. Just I'll because tell you, that's how it been, or do yes. you have reasons beyond that? No, I just thought it. We needed three voices. I remember calling Razor and, um, like, basically saying, "Look, man, we would love it if you'd come in." And I didn't even. It wasn't about a plus one. It was like, "Do you want this job?" What was? Uh, how, he didn't want did to play out. He was very flattered, and he thought about it. And then in the end, he was like, "Man," he goes, "Like, he." I think his his quote to me was. My wife wants to know if I can still summer in Canada. <laughs> I was like, well, College. probably not. Followell, yeah. I, we, we, I made a hard push at Followell. That didn't work out because he had moved into, you know, doing what he, what he should be doing. 
So, so it's, no, it's what, just he was doing too much play-by-play that he wouldn't be able to... Like, couldn't do it, yeah. Because, I mean, there are sports hosts in plenty of other places that... Think about the travel, though. Full time. Think about the travel. Yeah, I mean, no, but I mean, like, occasionally it worked. Like, yeah, I just think that that it does occasionally work, and like, they'll like let's... I think John Sterling had a daily show, <laughs> and they'll let Skin do like or, uh, K games. does. Michael K has a regular everyday radio show, and then does the Yankees TV at night. Hmm. I'm, I, you know, I'm sure it yeah, can be done. The thing is, just like did with our station, it's just that's part and parcel of it being. Like, You're all have, in. Yeah, we don't have any national shows. Uh, that whole deal, but I, I think that's pretty cool that you were not immediately thinking, you know, this is my deal because, like, if you die on the way home, like, I will not think about your kids first. I'll be like, well, I'm moving. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> wish, wish it wouldn't have been him, but I'll be wait, waiting for oh, well. someone for a while. And uh, you know, well, he was the last guy on my list. Oh well. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think that says a lot that you were actually trying to like think about the best of the show. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't know what was the best thing for the show, and nobody really did. And I I just knew that what worked was a certain dynamic, and that's three voices. And I didn't think for a second, and it wasn't it wasn't like I was uh, not confident in myself or Danny. I just didn't know. You just it was just the great unknown. And and so until we started doing it, until we figured that like, wow, this shockingly sounds better than Kelly Milligan, um, you know, you just you had no idea. I've uh, I've heard from multiple people that one of the things that was pursued pretty seriously is uh, is Bob joining the show on a permanent basis. Like I I think that at one point like management talked to Bob and talked to Dan and said this is what we're doing and. You guys need to get on board with it, and at some point, someone higher up in management, like someone, was it Atlanta by then, or was it uh, you know somewhere in Pennsylvania or whatever? I don't remember. Came in and was like, "No, we're we don't want to mess with the success that the afternoon show is having." To rock. Oh, you're talking about well after. I, I think like during the plus one era that uh, that I I think that Bob might have stuck around for like a show or two. Where like he did Bob and Dan, yeah. and, then, and then he did a show shift with you guys. Yeah. And if I re- am understanding this right, Mike really liked that. Um, enjoyed talking with Bob. Thought he filled the role in a way that he uh, envisioned as being pretty good. And um, then you know expressed that to management, and uh, they were like, okay, let's do that. And then they changed their mind. Is it? Do you remember that at all? It doesn't sound like you do really. No, there there was definitely chatter about that. Yeah, definitely. And. Uh, one time someone told me uh, John Radigan was very close yeah. to it. I've heard that too. I don't remember from who, Do you but, recall I've, that? but I've definitely heard that. Dude, I would love to hear every one of no. those plus one shows. <laughs> I, uh, I've i got a lot of them. I, don't, I like, haven't gotten to that point where I'm going through them, but they're because on a hard drive. To me, since I don't remember hearing that, and the really weird thing for, for me also was I had gone away to San Marcos, and I was just hearing about all this. Like It was really hard to listen online then. Yeah. And... I was hearing about all this like fourth hand mm-hmm. from my friends who still lived here. So a lot of this stuff I only heard years after the fact. And I remember talking to you about it one night, uh, Corby, like, I don't know. It must have been when I was home that like Thanksgiving or something. Like so a month later and like telling me what was going on. And I'm like, what the fuck? So to me, Kelly Milligan is a punchline regarding plus ones. And the guy from the Dream Job on ESPN. 
Yeah, I mean, so that's, like, that's why he was on the thing. But, like, did he live here, or did he come yes. in town? Ta- okay. And he, like, listened to the station. Okay. I've, I've heard him. I, I have uh, one time when I was randomly listening to something, he, like, filled in for Norm. All right. So he like, was... just by himself. He did? Yeah. What? Because in my yeah. mind, he's just, like, a guy who won a reality show on ESPN, probably lives in, like, Hartford, and then flew down to Dallas to do a show with Mike Reiner for one day. And like just in my head playing out like how that went, it's just four hours of the Pete Stein countdown audio <laughs> <laughs> on opening day. Oh, so they don't have enough pitching, hmm? Okay. Five. You come up with that on your own or Yeah, so I mean, I don't know anything about the guy other than that. We should post those. Uh yeah. God. I, I only re- I only remember Kelly Milligan because He's got a funny name. It was Monday, and we were doing the NFL weekend. And he had a bit for every game, like a line for every game. Oh, you got to be kidding me. No, and there was one of them about the Bears, I remember, about the Bears winning, and he said something to the effect of, it was like the bombing of Dresden. (laughs) Jesus. Hey, you know. It's a historically important bombing. It's led to one of the great works of American literature. I think it's a, it's a great line. Just because it's Bears-related, fuck you. It um, wasn't a great line. <laughs> was it better or worse than uh, John Radigan's guitar show bit? You really... You, speaking I don't of remember that. caring about the show, you really you fought through that. You had a... a you feigned a laugh at the end of it. I, 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 can, I can replay the whole thing for you if you want. <laughs> I'll just say this about How that. How long is it? <laughs> the amount... Much of, longer than you expect. <laughs> it's like four or five minutes, right? The amount of text messages <laughs> that I instantly got after that segment. <laughs> I thought you didn't remember. <laughs> Radigan's a great dude, and he's fun to talk with all He's amazing. Air, but, but he's the nicest man I've ever met. I'm serious. He's yes. a really nice guy. I but, mean that, too. I love him. But that is that is absolutely cringeworthy. Most it's a bad segment. Most of the 50 text messages that I got right after that simply started with, Oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> it probably felt good when he did it at home. <laughs> hey, I, I hear that. You know, sometimes We've all been you there. get there, doesn't land the way you were hoping. Oh boy, happens every day. Didn't uh, like I don't know how much more stuff we have on that day, but where in the timeline of this is your television aspirations? I don't know. I don't know when that was. I don't. I just remember us talking about that at one point. Like, I don't know if it was just local stuff or if there was like a celebrity show or some shit that. And I don't know if you were going to do both. Yeah. What, or what were something. your television? Aspirations? Because I just can't imagine that you thought you were always going to be the guy who does two segments on the hard line. No. 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 And, and, and even though like doing other you know third guy on a sports segment type show, I mean, you were not super young then, right? Like you had to be thirty five. That what. For, Where yeah. you born? Yeah, it was 2007. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought, yeah, that I was probably if I ever got a shot in TV, that I probably would have taken it. Um, like doing extra. Yeah, I do not. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, yeah. Being Billy Bush, guy that could have been me. Dude. Right there on the bus. <laughs> Holy so shit, awesome. man! <laughs> You're not that far. You were not that far off. Man. If only uh, your grandpa, instead of just uh, tooling around Oklahoma, had become president. I know. I know. Yeah. It's really kind of the, the only difference. The thing is, though, like, in, I never really had any huge aspirations. It wasn't like that I was this go-getter. 
I've got to climb the ladder and be this thing. Like when I was producing Chris Arnold's show, I was like, well, all right. Yeah. I'm good. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm fine. I'm fine with this. And then just kind of one thing led to another. You were doing that and then also part time being the king of Deep Ellum. So that's true. Those were, yeah. The, the royal part of it, it, it didn't pay as much as I anticipated. <laughs> but, but I will tell you this, as I've said many times, living in Deep Ellum at the time at that brand new Gaston Yard apartment complex, mm-hmm. I was making so little money. That and they had to allow a certain amount of people, the Section Eight people, to live down there. Yeah. And so, if you made less than like sixteen thousand dollars a year, you could live in one of those places, brand new joints, right there. My patio overlooked Deep Ellum, and my rent was like four fifty a month or something like that. That's awesome. Yeah, but I had to go in and show my pay stub every two months. To hot lease girls. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what are you doing after this? By the way, I make $10,000 a year. <laughs> so, it was awesome, but that moment was always... I always wanted to put on like a wig or something like yeah. that, you know? Send, uh, send Dave to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you live... Who'd you live with? Me. Solo? Yeah. Man, the place was great. I was like a... It was, it was like... Fifteen, sixteen hundred bucks or something like that, and yeah. I was basically getting it for free. It was awesome. I did always dream. Whenever I mean, I think that it, I, I could not qualify. Obviously, I shouldn't be able to qualify for it now. I own a house. Um, no, but uh, I did always dream. I, there's a place downtown that still does. Uh, that still has Section Eight housing. It's on Ackerd, and uh, just always thought that would be a be a wonderful dream. Well, Dave Lane was the one that that alerted me to it. He was like. Dude, <laughs> got a scam for you. Yeah, you're not gonna believe this. It's so awesome. He's like, I'm already here, man. <laughs> he moved in in like half a day, you know. Uh, so yeah, it was great. Dave Lane definitely has the scammers mentality. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. So how comfortable are you, even if you just omit a word or don't? Because I think we jokingly teased it like a month ago, and we said you might be on with uh, telling us the Don Wakamatsu story. For our audience. Maybe we did this last time we had you on. Uh, we were in front of a live audience, so probably not. It's not like you can hear it too many times. Yeah, and I'm sure you've got a dozen other ones, but this is the one that I just always... Yeah, this was uh, around the Bill Parcells era, I think, and um, <laughs> I tried to pull Just when a shortened version of Japanese was popular on the air. Yeah, right? where you, you, you couldn't go a step without hearing that word. <laughs> It was Jay Moore. It was Bill Parcells. <laughs> yeah. Back then, everyone was stoked right. on Columbus. It was before the Japan Pandroids had leaked their name out. To right. The yeah. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was going to the minor league, minor league clubhouse. And it was, what would you do to make the major league roster? And I don't know who the kid was. But. Is it in, like, Arizona? Y- yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this would have been when they moved in 03. I think it was the first year we were there. And uh, so, yeah, the, with just a you know laundry list of questions of ridiculous things that he would do to to move up to the majors, and one of them was go up to Don Wakamatsu and say, "Hey, for a prayer, you're a pretty good coach." <laughs> yeah. And uh, he was like, "Whoa, I don't know, man. I don't think I'd do that. I think I'll just stay in the minors." I was like, "All right." Yeah. And then the next question, move on. And then like two days later, I get a call from John Blake who has called me on multiple occasions, and they're never good. 
and uh, he was like, what you do in the minor league clubhouse? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. what I do? What, what's wrong? I didn't know. I had no idea. Yeah, you said 10 offensive things that day. <laughs> right, right. And, Which um, one? And so that led to, uh, well, uh, Buck Showalter and John Hart and Don Wakamatsu would like to meet with you. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> and so... How much of a relationship with Buck did you have at uh, this not, point? A, not one at all. <laughs> and had you so, ever talked to him before? And I, I, as I walked into that room, it was the manager's office in spring training, and I walk in there, and all I could think of as I'm shaking their hands is, boy, 10-year-old Corby would think this is really cool. <laughs> I'm about to get my ass chewed out by Buck Showalter. So it's then the it manager's was, office. It was Don Wakamatsu who said, I need for you to tell me what question you asked Oh, it's like my mom making me read the sex yeah. for points list. Yeah. And I think I said, smoke the whole pack. You you really want to hear it? (laughs) (laughs) A good question. And you just lean the fuck into that word. Like, here's how I did it. And so I did that. And then I hear Buck go, huh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then he goes, and like Wakamatsu didn't say anything, but Buck said, he goes, well, if I had a nickel for every dumbass thing I've said, then I'd probably be a rich man. He's like, I can tell you're pretty shook up about it. And I was like, because I was sweating my balls off. Were you did by yourself? Yeah, but by myself. Yeah. And uh, I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't know. You know. And I didn't know that they considered that word offensive. <laughs> I didn't. Know. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not from here. <laughs> I'm not aware of the touchy history between the United States and Japan. In my Native American culture, <laughs> this isn't considered right. <laughs> I, insta- I come in in a full like headdress, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So that, uh, and then I remember looking sushi. I remember looking at Don as he was the last hand that I shook on my way out after I was scolded. And John Hart was he was actually pretty nice, but I was like, okay, thanks, guys, and. And uh, I look at him, and he's looking at me like, I want to fucking kick your ass. And I remember going, Don, I'm sorry, man. (laughs) Not Mr. Wakamatsu. I didn't want to say that word. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I hear that. You're like, uh, Don's much more uh, neutral. Mr. Wakamatsu. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to be respectful here. Oh. Hey, Donnie. Don. Yeah. <laughs> you old son of a bitch. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. Do you, oh, my uh, God. do you think he'd remember? Oh, my God. Yes. He ran into him today. <laughs> of yeah. course he would. I, yes. Uh, I would oh, love think... if he gets a job for uh, next time he comes back through. Maybe just you and him. Just the behind the. The old, the old Corby would have done that. Well, you're aging well. oh that's fucking great um yeah that's 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 most of the stuff we have i I would love uh maybe this that was a great story to end on but i i I would love if since we've been talking about grego if you have a favorite grego story i just feel like everyone's always got a lot of good grego stories uh let's see arable i mean they're all arable it's not like there's a the FCC looking over us. Yeah, okay, so there's a couple of them. One of them is, because Grego's 
Greg was really awkward around people. Like he wasn't very comfortable around people he didn't know. You know. Yeah, which is it's a. Like, he, he, he gives off these rules, like the, uh, you know, eat a girl's asshole thing. Like, it's very, you know, I've kind of got the secrets. But it always definitely, just listening on the air, seemed like a person who was, like, very insecure that he didn't have any of the secrets. Yeah. Um, and, like, the way he was going to mask over this was be like, man, you know who knows at a party? This guy right here. Yeah. He's so incredibly awkward. And so he actually met us out one time in Deep Ellum. And, man, you talk about, like, a fucking fish out of water. I mean, he had no... We were just at a bar, but he's wearing, like, you know, Boots. crazy Grego outfit with... Dude, the shirts with the playing cards on them were just... That's that the greatest shirt ever. Shirt of all time. <laughs> greatest shirt it's ever. It's like a long sleeve, like, white, like, super crisp starch shirt that just has, like, a massive Joker card, <laughs> like, printed on it, or the whole thing, kind of. <laughs> Well, so he didn't like, he just wasn't very good around people. That was like the bottom line. He just couldn't, couldn't really relate to him. And so not like mean, just, no, he just was awkward. Yeah. And so (laughs) my buddy, my buddy was there and he'd never met him before. And so he was like, Hey, I want to meet Grego. And I was like, all right. And so I pull him over and I was like, Hey, Kevin, this is, uh, yeah, this Grego, that's my buddy, Kevin. He's like, oh, oh, hello, very nice to meet you, very nice to meet you. And that was always his go-to line. You're very good to meet you, nice to meet you. And uh, the guy's like, yeah, man, I've listened to you forever, you know, love your stuff. He's like, oh, thank you, thank you. That means a lot, means a lot. What do you do for a living? And uh, he goes, I work for an accounting firm. And Gregor goes, oh, how very noble of you. <laughs> I don't think I've ever said that That's to anybody weird. earnestly in my life. So <laughs> I, I'm not saying anything, and my buddy's like kind of shaking his head, and then I go, "What the fuck did you just say?" <laughs> well, the 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 quality of 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 counting and making sure your books are. I mean, then he tried to explain it away, uh-huh. and it was. I would have paid $65 million to have had that whole conversation on tape. Like the guy says, he's ah, actually, I work for free for UNICEF. I work for Deloitte. <laughs> a and then, dollar company. And then he's like, uh, I have my kid, and he, he's like, he calls up and he's like, hey man, got your gift. Got your good baby gift. It's a good one. Come it's a over. Hooker. And uh, yeah. So he comes over and. Um, he had bought like a like a a quilt for a king size bed. <laughs> like a duvet or something. <laughs> and I was like, oh, all right. Well, he'll love this when he's 17, you know. And and, uh, and then so he's like, we walk in and the, my kid was sleeping and, and he hands us this giant thing and and then he goes, uh, he was like, looks at Julie and he goes, I would like to see your baby. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just so fucking awkward. I would now (laughs) present the child to me. (laughs) Take me to the spawn. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Oh man, oh, it's so good. Yeah, there, I, there's a million moments like that though, where he's just so goofy, awkward, funny. You know, you know what? I've, I've told TC this like a hundred times, but uh, one time I remember him and Big Dick being pretty close. 
like in yeah. a weird way. Like, and it might have just been because Drago was super personable. Big Dick, well, maybe you wouldn't think this. Like, I don't remember ever seeing Big Dick and Mike like speak ever. But, but they were friends. They were? Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I had limited. Richard used to train him, Mike. That's how he got into the station at all. Really? He was his personal trainer. What? Oh, yes. That sounds like a whole other. I had no idea. I can't believe Mike had a personal trainer. I can't believe that he then said, you got to give this guy a show. I That's can't believe that guy was a big dick. 100%. He brought his personal trainer in. To get a shot at radio. You guys really got to hear this guy. Yeah, he's magical. But the, that's the other thing, is that Mike used to lift weights like five times a week. What? And like... Yes! Was Big Dick like dressed like the front man for the cure as a personal trainer? No. That, that came later? And that was always a thing that I always used to question Mike, is that your trainer's not in very good shape. <laughs> <laughs> Big Dick, I remember him saying... Uh, like after the fact, he was like, yeah, maybe this is an interview. I don't remember where I heard it, but he's like, Grego was a guy who, if he treated himself as well as he treated other people, he would have been a much healthier person. I think that's in the, the article. Okay. That's a like, good way to go about like it. Like yeah. if he just, like he genuinely, like I said, whenever we were out at his, uh, his lake house with family friends, he was so nice to everyone. And there were people like fucking his shit up. That's one of our Zeb was passed out. Not, I don't think it was the time that he wrecked a jet ski. But he was passed out, like, in the yard. Like, people were not being respectful at all, you know? Like, that place had just cool shit everywhere, and he didn't seem bothered by it at all. He um, loved to entertain. Yeah, and, like, that's... That makes it kind of sad. Like, it's, it's, and it's, you know, I hope the guy got his life somewhat together, but it's like, there are people like that, that they just don't know how to take care of themselves, whether it's mentally, physically, or whatever, as much as they care to take care of other people. Well, I mean, when he was right, and when he was on... Dude, he was a just a tornado of everything, of comedy and controversy and fun, and he was awesome. You know, there was nothing like him. He was the station darling. I mean, Gordon said that for years. There was, he was everyone's favorite. He had this quality about him, this, you know, good old boy quality, but he was still, I, I don't know, I mean... Everybody wanted to be around him, type thing, and it just kind of approachable and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It just kind of went up to to shit. Matter of fact, I I saw all those guys at Joe T Garcia's when the station first started. I was still living in Fort Worth at the time, and I remember seeing them all those guys, like George and Craig and Mike and Greg. And I was like, I got to talk to that guy. I want to talk to Greg. And I remember going up to him. I'm like, man, whatever you guys are doing, keep doing it because it's a blast. And um, is that, is that your dog howling? It is. Okay. Yeah. I was like, it's a blast to listen to. He's like, thank you very much. Don't tell a friend, please. Tell a friend, you know. And I was like, oh my god, that guy just talked to me. So yeah, he was awesome. He's was great. Was, I always wonder if that's like related, like kind of like the com the comedian thing, like the guy who's like that. There's a lot there. Is you know you don't always you don't meet that many people like you, frankly, who are like pe somebody people want to meet and are approachable, who just doesn't really seem like it's freaking them the fuck out to the point where they're gonna lose it at some point. <laughs> like, <laughs> You know, that's there a weird, is that's a weird mix. There is no doubt that he was, yeah, he was haunted and had the dark side and in many ways. And you know what? Like going back and looking at it and piecing it all together too, and hearing stories from guys that have known him since the '80s, it was always there. Yeah. It didn't just manifest itself all of a sudden. It just got worse. Yeah. It was always there. So, you mean like the insecurity, yeah, like just like the drugs, depression, was suddenly and a that thing, sort of right? Thing. Right. Yeah, but. Do you remember you know. how weird some of the shows that like showed up 
afterward were? Like, wasn't one of them Kevin Kiley? What on, do you mean? Who like show? The Grego. Like the he Grego. Was, oh, oh yeah. People. So many weird adventures, like in the first five years after that, that I was like, what the, next, the fuck? The next thing was on ESPN. I think that was Choppy. Okay, Choppy was definitely one of them. Did he work with Big Dick, too? I think that there was a time whenever there was, like, rumors. First of all, there was rumors that Rick Dees had, like, decided that Big Dick was the... Uh, the heir to the throne. The future of I remember, radio. I thought that was done. And he was going to be, like, syndicated everywhere. Yeah. And uh, then, even while that was going on, I think there was a station where, like, you could buy time, and, like, Big Dick was buying a show every day after the 105.3 thing didn't work out. And yeah, and I think like Grego is rumored to be part of like Big a Big Dick's uh, syndication deal or something. But yeah, then there was the show he did with Choppy, and that was a deal where like uh, he didn't show up one day, I think, and then you know was not invited back. That was like I don't know three or four months after it started. I was delivering pizzas, uh, and it was always at like that late night, like because I think that their show started at seven. Yeah. Um. So I'd listen That's to the right. hard line until there until they were done, and then I would switch over there. Um. And yet I think then that there was a country station like out past Fort Worth, like a good bit oh, past yeah. Fort Worth. Yes. And I think that they might have even been like doing something from Grego's house or like someone's house, and that didn't work out. And so whenever then like the fan which. The the Cowboys like uh, flagship was like, well, we know that you flamed out terribly with the ESPN and then the country station we'd never heard of, but um, we want you to come over here. <laughs> that yeah. seemed crazy, but then that's the one that like like it ended. You know, I mean, he got fired, but like it wasn't because he disappeared for a week. Right. Like, right, it was just a very regular radio way to get fired. That was wild. Yeah, I would still say that his post-ticket uh, radio career has been more successful than Richie Witt's post-radio attempt to get a prepper community off the ground in <laughs> South Texas. <laughs> to be fair, I haven't checked in on that recently. <laughs> yeah, but you would have heard about it if it were thriving. So I don't hear I'm a lot about assume. prepper communities, yeah. period. <laughs> All right, dude, we appreciate you doing this. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was a great time. Yep, You're no worries. You're uh, a two-time guest. Hey, call me anytime. All right, it is the return of four corners. They laid low for a little while as they were making a move. That's what you do whenever you uh, you get divorced. You move to an apartment in a better part of town. You might stay off social media for a little while, and that's what Four Corners did. They didn't really get divorced, but they did move to a better spot. Four Corners' grand opening of their new location in the Cedars, which is kind of a thing that I think you only really know exactly what that means if you go to cool parts of Dallas, and I do not, but I know that it's at 1311 South Irve Street, Dallas. It's this weekend. Yeah, I mean, the Cedars is that's uh, if you go to the Palladium Ballroom for anything, the part that you're going to. We've all been to the Palladium Ballroom, right? And looked around and said, man, what if I lived in Southside Lamar and had all sorts of friends and did all sorts of cool stuff? Well, now you're adding a thing to the list of cool stuff you can do because there will be the Four Corners uh, tap, room, tap Room down there. And uh, a great way to introduce yourself to that will be the uh, Dia de los Puercos, which is Sunday, this Sunday. Uh, you can get your tickets on pre-Kindle, or if you check out their Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, there uh, there are some links there. They will have uh, a whole hog, an entire hog, Jake. Maybe the one I a, caught. Put an apple in the mouth? Absolutely. It'll have an apple in the mouth. They'll let you take a bite of the apple if you get the VIP tickets. There aren't actually VIP tickets. That's just a joke. 
Do you um, think that the hog you caught is still alive? No, and I don't think <laughs> you should eat it. But no one's going to. Yeah, uh, if you remember call. a previous episode where I was really, uh, really, really crazy, as much as uh, some people think about uh, used to be crazy on Columbus, I was crazy on the uh, Texas Monthly Top 50 Barbecue Places. Todd David of Cadillac Barbecue is going to be there. So you should really go and check that out. And both these other two dudes, Kent Rathburn of Abacus and Tim Burns of uh, Restaurant Smoke fame, it says in the copy. I think I would just call it smoke. Everyone knows that that, it doesn't, you could have just put smoke there. We wouldn't have thought that he invented the concept of smoke. Or maybe uh, um, thought that he was uh, Tony Stewart. <laughs> uh, minus the killing the guy part. Yeah, he's uh, never no, killed anyone. None of that is in the ad, but each ticket from Prekindle will get you a... Uh, a little bit of pork from each one of those chefs. They're all cooking a different plate from the meat of the whole hog, not TC's hog, and three beers. And uh, it's the best beer in Dallas. And if you've ever had their Super B, they will be unveiling their Super B Moses, which if I had to guess is probably a Super B mixed with orange juice. Pro tip, I've done that at home, and it's phenomenal. Don't miss Dia, Dia de los Puercos. It's next Sunday, uh, this coming Sunday. Uh, October 22nd, they'll have the Cowboy game on there for you. So it's a great spot, and uh, they'll be there all the time. So even if you can't make it out there this weekend, go check out Four Corners New Tap Room at 1311 South Irvay Street. That's it for tonight. The high school special is next, so until tomorrow. For everyone who's been a part of this one, I'm TC and Jake. We do thank you for watching. Good night.